this morning, turn to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter number 5 and chapter number 6, oh what a blessing it has been to be here today, I can't help but to think about as they sing that song and as it gets to that, I think it was that last verse about that song up in heaven. I can't help but think over there in Isaiah chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. And His train filled the temple. And above it stood the seraphims. One, Each one had six wings with twain. He covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And here's where my thought was during that song. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Amen. That that fourth verse says, And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Well, I tell you what, can we, we can't even, we, 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 there's not a drop in the bucket what we know right now that truly describes what heaven's going to be like. And I'm, whew, I t- I don't, I'm not sure I want to get a load right now, but if he comes a calling, I'm ready, amen? But boy, I'm looking forward to that day. During Sunday school, I got to thinking over there in Matthew chapter 24, um, I, I always kind of associated that as, as not a prophetical chapter, though I believe it is now, um, I thought that was kind of a um, setting for today, and then the rapture would happen, and two would be at the meal, and one left and one taken. But I believe that's talking about um, that tribulation hour, and uh, I, I got to thinking about what when we look at what we're dealing with now, and uh, even when we have brother brother David mentioned Roe versus Wade, how it was reversed and and he was right people are mad i mean 
tore out of their frame mad because a baby is going to live and because it infringes upon an individual's rights. And, and I, I don't have time to really argue about it. I wouldn't even if I had time. <clears throat> but we look at maybe some progression towards a higher moral standard that we may be reaching. But then we look further and we see Matthew chapter 24 that it says, As in the days of Noah were, they were eating and drinking and giving in marriage. And then he begins to talk about all of these things that are going to happen. And I tell you, if we think that it is bad now, but wait until during the tribulation, after the church is gone, somebody say amen, the church is gone and this world is still trucking along and that Holy Spirit is not working here then the way it is now. And can you imagine how wicked this world is going to be during that time? But I'm glad to say I'm not going to be here, Brother Bobby. Hey, I said I'm glad to say I'm not going to be here, amen. And uh, I want you to go with me when the Lord raptures the church out of here. I want you to be ready today to go with me and anybody else that is going to heaven when the Lord calls. So you don't tarry and uh, you you listen to the call of God. If God calls you to salvation, don't run from it. Don't try to walk away. Don't try to hide from it. But uh, Scripture says, seek the Lord while he may be found. And then in Luke chapter number 19, verse number 10, it says that Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Honey, if he's seeking and you're seeking, y'all bound and determined to find one another. Somebody help old fat preacher say amen right there. Amen. Yes, sir. Ephesians chapter number 5. I ain't even over there. I'm still in Isaiah. Ephesians chapter number 5. This is a baby dedication. And, um, and I'm going to try my best to get through the message, I do feel in my heart that I must give an altar call today. And uh, so I want to be very sensitive to the Holy Ghost in the time and in the altar call at the close of this. But then I want to give due respect to Brother Eric and Miss Samantha and their family in dedicating their children to the Lord. So um, there's no need to look at your watch. You get, We got all day. If it goes too long, we'll just we'll just... We'll just come back at six. Amen. That's all I can tell you. So just don't worry about it. And uh, I'm, I got some peppermints up here. If you need some sugar, we, we'll pass those out. Surely somebody's got some groceries in the nursery. Amen. And uh, if not, we need to remedy that for us folks that need a little bit of sustenance along the way. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter number five, verse number 32 and verse 33. And then we'll read into chapter number six. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Children, verse number 1 of chapter 6, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. Verse 4, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, God in heaven, we love you. God, we thank you for your presence here today. And God, Lord, in a day that we are celebrating the abhorrence of sodomy and homosexuality and the tearing down of families, 
God, today you've put the family on our hearts. And so, Father, we pray, Lord, as we try to preach about the family that a, a godly Christian ought to have in his home, God, we pray that you'd help us, Lord, raise us up by our bootstraps, encourage us, cheer us on, God, to, to do whatever it takes to be the man of God and the, the women of faith and the children of promise today, Lord, so that we can have a Christian home. God, we pray that you'd give us an anointing. God, we pray that you'd bless your people today. Oh, God, we pray that your hand, Lord, will fall upon this earth in mercy, God, in love and in grace and show them the right way. Father, we pray you'll let us be just a little part of that, Father. God, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to try to preach on this thought, the Christian home. The Christian home. And uh, I have preached this once before, and it ended up being a four-part series. And I don't have that kind of time uh, to do that. But so we are going to try to preach this quickly and uh, try to do it effectively today. But the home is the most important unit in life. You as an individual, you can be saved, you can be a man of God, and, and that is wonderful, and I believe that's necessary. But as far as a unit, even outside of the church, the home is the most important unit uh, that there is. Uh, matter of fact, I believe that's the way that God designs things, that it is a man and a woman, they become a family, they have children, and that children should be the, the preeminent thing in their life, though that family, but then there is the church as well. And uh, some folks, they say, well, uh, I'm going to take time for my family and miss church today. Well, be careful with that line of thinking. Notice that I said that the family is the most important unit, but without the church, without God within that unit, your family is going to be despondent, all right? Y'all hear me this morning. And so as we say that the family is the most important, I don't. I, I run into this very, fairly often where people will say, well, we've got a family reunion on Sunday, so we won't be there. we got a family this, we got a family that on Sunday, so we won't be there. And I understand folks may need a vacation and things like that, and they may not be here. I'm not griping about those things. But outside of the church and the church within the family, I tell you, our families are messed up. You can look uh, in our in our uh, community. I've read the statistics before, uh, just within just the, the county limits of Sumter County. And I would imagine as you go further out, those numbers increase rapidly. But divorce is at an, uh, an extreme high. Uh, separation, uh, uh, wedlock, uh, children, uh, uh, children out of wedlock, all of those different things. Uh, men and women shacking up with one another. And the reason why is because the church is not involved. I'll go one step further. I hadn't even got to it yet, so y'all bear with me. I'll go a step further and say one reason why the church is not involved in the family is because the church has become yellow. And y'all help me now because I'm part of the church as just as you are. The church has become yellow and we won't stand up for the church, for the families. We won't uh, interrupt in the families. We say, well, we'll just pray about it and we'll let them uh, work it out on their own. No, I really believe that we ought 
to when we see a family struggling. We ought to be there stepping in and trying to help them. Grabbing the daddy first of all and say, listen, old boy, do you not see what's happening? Some of you ladies gather around the mamas, the wives and say, sis, do you not see what's happening? Let's get this ready because when mom and daddy start having problems, the youngins are going to have problems. And before long, whole family's shot. Amen. I appreciate it. Talking about the Christian home, it was ordained by God. I was going to take time to read it, but I'll not first. Or in Genesis chapter number 1, verse 26 and 27 and 28, God ordains the family. He ordains children in chapter number 4. That is where Cain and Abel are born. And they are born. Y'all help me out here. Let's celebrate Pride Month real quick. They're born because a man and a woman conceived a child. Amen. And so as we're talking about this Christian home, we must understand, as I prayed just a moment ago, we are in the middle of, of an ungodly event in American society where we, we celebrate the tearing down of families by allowing men Men to marry men and women to marry women and we support and we, we encourage that in our society. I'm not saying that we do, but we encourage that in our society. And do you realize that if that is the constant norm in years to come, there will be less children, there will be less populace, there will be less people that can hear the gospel and that must be saved. Because a man and a man cannot conceive of themselves. Neither can a woman and a woman conceive of themselves. It is biologically impossible. I'll go one step further. I'm feeling a little froggy today. I'll go a step further. And I don't know if it's true. I've just seen it in some magazines here and there where a man has become pregnant. But I guarantee you that man has had some things done to his body. Most likely that man is not a biological man to begin with. And so don't feed me that line of crock. I'm not going to believe it. And furthermore, the fact that where they have a surrogate mother that has a child and gives them over to adoption for a man and a man to raise that young boy. That young boy will inevitably also be a sodomite. That Are we recording? I hope so, Nathan. Hey, not only that, but when that woman and that other woman, they come together, there is no mechanical uh, means for them to physically... And I'm not trying to be gross. I'm just being real. This morning, I'm about half-cocked at our society right now. But it's all in the Bible. It's not going to happen. And they may raise a little boy. They may raise a little girl, but he's going to come to kindergarten. He's going to go to preschool. He's going to start talking about his two mamas. He's going to start talking about his two daddies. And honey, it's an abomination unto God. And it is not an example that I want our children to be exposed to. But it's too late. It's on every television. It's on every smartphone. It's on every iPad. It's in every commercial that we look at. It's in every magazine, newspaper, anything that we look at we see this stuff and they don't even know what a godly home is supposed to be like the spiritual climate of a church is dependent on its homes John chapter number 8 I believe it's verse number 8 I didn't write it down but it says God is a spirit they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And you cannot come to church and worship God in spirit 
if there is a bad spirit at home. Some of you mamas and daddies tell me y'all ain't never had a fight on the way to church and you get out and you slam both doors, you straighten your coat. Hey, how are you doing today? Preacher's done it. And if preacher's done it, guess who else has done it? Preacher's wife's done it. It's hard sometimes. It is hard sometimes. I mean, I, I told him a few few months ago now. I mean, the kid, I was downstairs getting ready, Nick, and I was doing my own thing down in the office. I come upstairs, and, and an atomic bomb went off in the house. Dude, woo! I mean, sirens going, everything else. I said, under God, can I not just come up and be ready for church when I get up from the office and go to church? And man, and this don't happen all the time. I'm not trying to down my family at all. Please don't think no, nothing of it. But I, I want you sometimes things just go awry. In the house, and when you get up and and you try to make it a church on time, and you try to be there, and you try to sing your songs, and you try to to bless somebody, and you're you're sitting there, brother Bob, and you're like, just bless me if you can. And all the time you got a smile on your face, but you're waiting till you get in the car so you can finish this thing on the way home to get a biscuit. You still with me, Hunter? All right. If there's, if there's a problem in the family, there's going to be a problem in the church. And honey, before we can ever help the ch- people say, well, I want it to be like it was a hundred years ago. I, that'd be wonderful. But if our families are not like they were a hundred years ago, neither will the church be. There was, and I'm telling on myself, there was a time we didn't have an iPad, we didn't have a smartphone, we didn't have TVs with thousands of channels, all of that. And the, and the family, they sat together, they, uh, they picked corn together, they, they, uh, snapped beans together, they worked together, they, they loved on one another. And bless God, that's what we need to get back to. Amen. Amen, preacher, that's good. So, there's point one of the introduction. There is a great contrast with the spiritual home and homes today. It should be a place, the Christian home should be a place of dedication instead of an excuse to find divorce. Dedicated to things that draw us together and not drive us apart. Dedicated to everything and everyone except the one that we're supposed to be. It seems that's the way modern families are. They dedicate themselves to that. I'm just going to call some things out. I don't want to hurt your feelings, but if the shoe fits, wear it. Uh, they, they, they dedicate themselves to pleasure. They dedicate themselves to ball. They dedicate themselves to traveling. They dedicate themselves to family outings. They dedicate themselves to lake life. They dedicate themselves to friends. They dedicate themselves to everything in the world except for God. And you say, well, I'm here on Sunday mornings and Sunday nights and Wednesday nights. That's wonderful. And I praise God for you. But honey, I, what, what really bothers me is what are you dedicating yourself on Monday and Tuesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday? Yes, have fun. Go play a ball game. Go do what you want to do. But make sure that God is still first on the list. Somebody help me and say amen right there. If God ever comes second... Everything else will come last. Y'all think about that for a minute. If God ever is second on your list, everything else is going to be last once it's all said and done. We need faith instead of fighting. We need harmony in our, in our homes instead of hatred. We need the Bible instead of a battle. 
the, just a kind of a preliminary thought of what a Christian home is, is a Christian man and a Christian woman married to one another. And we see in Hebrews chapter number 13, verse number 4, marriage is undefiled, is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. So a Christian home, uh, just at the onset of everything, is a Christian man and a Christian woman, help me, married together. You say, well, I'm a, I'm a Christian and she's a Christian and we're living together, but we're not, we're not married. Guess what? You don't have a Christian home. Guess what? You're living in sin. Guess what? That's an abomination unto God. Guess what? You may sleep in one room, you sleep in another room. It doesn't matter. Could everybody else, it seems like you're sleeping in the same bed. I said this one time, an old grouchy codger got mad at me. I said, you can like it or lump it. It ain't going to matter a hill of beans to me. That's the Word of God. Listen, we got to go. A Christian home concerning the youth now is more than saying yes, sir, and yes, ma'am. Some of us had a conversation about that the other day, yesterday. But it's more than just saying yes, sir. It's more than just Sunday school. It's more than just coming to church or singing or or trips or having a good attitude. A Christian home, young folks, includes you. And in many ways, that Christian home success is dependent on you as a young person. Let's try to very quickly get into it. Number one, a Christian home is a place where the Lord reigns. A Christian home is a place where the Lord reigns. There is a need of knowing Christ. Just quite simply, you cannot have a Christian home without Christ. You, it, 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 you can't have it. You can have a religious home. You can have a well-ordered home. In other words, that structure is there. Daddy and mama and then the children. And they can have godly attributes without being godly themselves. You can look at people in our society. There are people that, that are attributed to as having great attributes, even godly almost. But within their heart, they don't have a relationship with God. Therefore, they are not godly, nor are they a Christian. And so we can have a religious and an ordered home, but it doesn't make it a Christian home. It is Christ that makes a difference. He is not only a friend, we've talked about Christ being that friend, the father, a brother, a sister, whatever it is, but He is the formula for a Christian home. He is the absolute... Listen to this. We, we didn't read all of these, but if you, if you want to take the time, you don't believe me, Brother David talked about counting. If you look from verse 21 down through verse number 32, uh, you figure up how many verses that is. I guess it's, what, 11 verses maybe. Uh, there are... All but two of those verses mention Christ or God. And so this is speaking of a Christian home. And in all but two of these, in these 11 verses, the person of Christ is mentioned. What do we glean by this? We must come to the conclusion that Christ is the unseen head of the home. We live, we live in a time now where, where it's not always mama and daddy that are Christian and it's not always mama and daddy that are trying to run the home. Uh, too often it is a Christian mother 
trying to raise her kids the right way, why the, the daddy may not be a Christian at all, or maybe why he's absent most of the time. Well, those things will have an effect in a trickle down. Understand that. But then outside of that, it may be the exact opposite. Maybe uh, the mother is not a Christian, uh, but the dad is, and he's trying to do his best to raise his kids, to raise them right. But I'm going to tell you something. If either one of those do not have Christ as their head leading them, it will not work. It will not work. You're going to have an uphill battle every day. Number two, a Christian home is a place where love reigns. This There's a wonderful two-way arrangement here. The wife is to lovingly submit to her husband, verse 23, The husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Verse 24, therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. And let me just stop there. I'm not talking about physical unfaithfulness, but if you're, you ladies, if you are more reverent to the preacher or to someone else, instead of being reverent to your husband, you are doing yourself and the Savior a dishonor. I got two amens out of that. Let me, I felt the need to press on. If, if you treat your wives, if you treat your, all you are told to do is submit yourselves to do reverence to your husband. You're not even in the scriptures taught to love your husband. The husband is to love you. The wife is to submit herself and to do reverence unto her husband and to do do benevolence unto her husband. But if you treat other men with more respect than you do your husband, you're in the wrong. And you must get your heart right. We're talking about a Christian home, so it's going to hit everybody. And I've already dealt with this once myself, at least two or three times myself. So, I mean, I'm beat up and bruised up. i got bruises y'all don't even know about. They're all covered up. That's why I'm dressed so nice today. I hope I am. But wives... We are to lovingly submit to your husband. Husbands, we are to love with no bitterness. We are to love, really, with no questions. Let's look, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Let's push rewind to maybe the second song, Victory in Jesus. Oh, Brother Samuel got a little carried away up here, and he got to talking about how that God loved him before He knew God loved Samuel before he ever committed those sins that he did. God loved Samuel so much that before he was ever born, he died for him. And so, honey, men, husbands, if you are to have a godly home and be a godly example of a godly husband, you must love your wife no matter what she has done or has not done. I didn't hear a single woman right there. It's okay to say amen, ladies. It's okay to say amen. Husbands, we ought to love our wives. Colossians chapter 3, verse 18 through 21. Y'all still with me this morning? He says, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. Your own husbands. Notice what it says. Your own husbands. As it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Children. 
Obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. First Peter chapter 3, verse 7. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife, as unto the weaker vessel. Now that's not a slight against women at all. That's the way God designed it. Somebody help me. That's the way God designed it. These women livers and all these other stuff that's been going on since the 50s and 60s. They've got it all messed up. And if you're one, I'm going to pray for you. You got your rights and all that. I'm not getting into that. But you are a woman by design and God made you the weaker vessel not because you're any less than a man, but because God's desire is that a man cares, honors, cherishes, respects, loves, and provides for you. As being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Mommas and daddies wonder why your prayers are hindered. It might be because the wife isn't respecting the husband and the husband isn't loving the wife. Somebody say amen right there. Whoopee! We're having a time this morning. Some Christian homes are just the opposite of what we've just talked about. It's more of an endurance test. The husbands and the wives, they're just putting up with one another. (coughs) Homes are built on distrust. They're built on lies and deceit. But one thing that is missing in many homes is love. It is the love that is deep in the heart. It is love that is sacrificial. It is love that is often expressed. We mentioned a week or so ago about the different love languages. And it may be physical touch. It may be words of affirmation. It may be time spent with someone. But you must show love. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse number 13, And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three. But the greatest of these is charity. And in the Word of God, when you see this word charity, it is defined as that agape love and that's one of the deepest loves that can be shown to a man or a woman and he says we must have love in our lives the Christian home number three is a place where the letter reigns I'm trying to hurry the letter reigns the letter of God the word of God the Bible is the Lord's way of cleansing in Psalm 119 verse number 9 through 11 wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way Well, he answers, by taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not, oh, let me not wonder from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. The Christian home is a place where the letter reigns. We cannot have a clean home without the Bible. If you look at verse 26 of our text in verse 27, that he might sanctify. Now, who is the he? Christ gave himself for it. Verse 25, that he, Christ, might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the... Somebody help me. By the what? By the word. Thank you. That he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Now, he's talking about the church, but within the church, he's talking about husbands and wives. Yes, sir. So the letter must reign in our Christian home. Deuteronomy chapter number 6. I'll not turn there, but God instructed Moses in the letter. Instructed the men of God in the Old Testament, Brother Jody, 
those men that we look up to. He gave them the word. They wrote it down and he gave them instruction. Write this for a memorial in a book. He said, build this altar so that other generations coming by may see. He gave them the letter and it ruled and reigned in their lives. Your respect for the Bible measures your respect for God. Y'all hear me now. A Christian home takes pleasure in the truth and the things of God. Ephesians chapter number 4, I believe it is. Let me see uh, verse 15. But speaking the truth in love, he said, may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. There's a lot of times that we try to give truths, but we don't give the truth of God. And we try to tell someone with a spirit of, of, I don't, uh, aggression, maybe if that's the right term. But what about speaking the truth in love? What about, te- you know, I was thinking just a little while ago, I was getting pretty, pretty testy about all this pride stuff. And I, and I still am, and I'll get testy because it's an abomination unto God. But I want you to know something. Oh, when I see someone, and, and I'm able to speak to someone of that persuasion, if you will, if I go to them in anger, and I go to them and telling them how wicked they are, and how vile they are, and how disgusting they are, that's not going to do anything but turn them away. If I begin to tell them how, how, how a God in heaven loved them so much that He gave His only begotten Son, that if they would just trust, if that if they would just believe that He would accept them as sons, accept them as a daughter, and He would wash them clean. Lori and I were talking about this Roe versus Wade the other day and she was reading some post on Facebook and they were getting all up in arms about it and, and, and I don't remember all of it about, uh, but she, she asked a question, maybe I thought she did, I don't know, uh, but Michael, she began to ask, well I don't understand why they can't see that this is a good thing. And I said it's because we see things as Christians through a lens of faith. This world does not. This world looks at their sin as a choice, as a lifestyle, as just a a concern for themselves. It's not hurting anyone else. But for a Christian that has a relationship with God, we look at this thing with an eternal timescape and we wonder how long can they go without God. The world doesn't look at that. The letter must reign. Many homes have allowed idols to creep in. They're no longer placing priority on holy things. And those things that are prioritized, they have become idols. The parents weep and they wonder why children are so rebellious. It may be because mom and daddy are. I was thinking about this. I've talked to several preachers about it. And there was a time when, you know, and somebody will say, well, preacher, you finally preached this morning. You got, you got rough. You got mean. Brother Jody probably be one of those things. He likes it hard. He's just, I just call somebody's eyeballs out. That's what Jody likes it. <coughs> and people will talk about, you know, brother, brother Den. He was, he was rough. He was mean. Brother Dent, myself, we preach differently, but we have the same standards. Think about preachers that we grew up with, Brother David, that you grew up with, some that I knew, and you know them and knew them more intimately, if you will, than I did. But I, I heard about them all of my life. 
And the thing is, is they, the children, myself included, were raised in that. And I've watched them as, as these young men and women were raised under such a, a strong arm and a, a strict hand and a firm hand of correction. When they got to adulthood and they raised their kids, they tried to correct. They felt as though they were, they were a little too far to the right. And so they corrected. But unfortunately, if you've ever run off the road and you're in a ditch and you're, and you're scared and you're worried, Man, how am I going to get out of this ditch? You jerk that wheel too far to the other direction and you overcorrect and you wind up in another ditch. And so you've left all the right, even though they were harsh and they were strict and they were rigid, and now people have overcorrected and now they're in compromise. They're in, they're in all kinds of a fix because their standards are so low. Their children are so far away from God because mom and daddy decided that they didn't like the right paths and they would compromise and they would lead their children the way they felt comfortable and they see their children going in an opposite direction. Somebody told me years ago, they said, uh, if you come to church on Sunday morning, you love the preacher. If you come to church on Sunday night, you love the church. But if you come to church on Wednesday night, you really love the Lord. And I wonder, do you love Him? As a family, do you love the Lord? Just kind of in passing, let me say this. Attendance at church should be a family affair. Mamas and daddies, when you start coming to church and you leave your teenagers at the house, me and you are going to have to come to Jesus. I'm just warning you. Just warning you. Because they may be sick, and I understand that. All right, especially right now. Honey, if you've got a sore tooth, stay at home. It might be COVID. I don't know. you got an ingrown toenail. You better stay at the house. Somebody knows what I'm talking about. Say amen, Samuel. You got an ingrown toenail stay at the house. It's liable to hurt somebody. But if they, if that youngin just said, yeah, I don't feel like going today, mama. You say, well, okay, it's your choice. You need to be whooped with a 10 foot pole and use up all 10 feet of it. Because you ought to be the one providing, number one, the way to church. But two, you ought to be providing the example of church. Now, I've told some young folks this. They're, they're able to drive. Sometimes mom and daddy, they can't go or they can't be on time. They're running late. They're giving it all they've got, but they don't. And, and they've got, and the children have got a way to church. Bless God. Ask permission by mom and daddy and come on to church. Call the preacher. I'm usually up pretty early. Bless God. I'll leave and I'll come get you because we want you to be a church. I forgot where I was. I'll end with this. A Christian home is a place where the leader should reign. The parent should be leading you. In a godly home where there's not been any tearing down and you still have a mother and a father, that father should be the leader of the home. And that father should be leading the mother. And together they should be leading the children. Now, if, and this may, this is just the society that we live in. Sometimes it's a, it's a daddy that is left alone with the children. Or sometimes a mother is left alone with the children. Maybe because of separation or divorce. Maybe because of some death or some other occurrence. But if it's just one, children, you need to know that they, that they are the leader of the home. 
You say, well, my daddy's not in the picture. Don't blame that on mama. Now, I realize mama could have had something to do with it, but she's the leader. She's the one that's raising you. If your mother's not in the picture and it's just daddy, hey, don't take it all out on daddy. He's doing the best he can. Now, this is the truth. We're in 2021. Divorce is, is extremely high. We just got to face it. Do we encourage it? Do we condone it? Absolutely not. But if it's here, we may as well go ahead and take it by the horns and deal with it. Somebody help me. It's going to be hard for that single parent to raise a child or children by themselves. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. But I guarantee you, the same God that can help a mama and a daddy can help that mother or that father in a home. And they are trying to lead the home. Colossians chapter number 3, verse number 20, we're talking about uh, Christian home is a place where the leader reigns. Colossians 3, verse 20, children obey your parents in all things. doesn't say obey what's on social media. Amen. It doesn't say obey everybody else except for your parents. It says obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. I could outrun my daddy right now. But if my dad, I'm 43 years old, just turned 43 on Monday, I think it was. By the way, before I forget again, thank you, church, for the gifts and the surprise the other night. I appreciate that. But at 43 years old, if my daddy felt the need to whoop me, and y'all might disagree with this, but if my daddy felt the need to whoop me because of something I'd done, I'd just have to take it like a man. My daddy's feeble right now. He probably couldn't whoop me if he tried but I'd cry the whole time. Every time he tried to lift a hand and try to correct me, I'd cry. But you know what he does now? He don't, he don't, he don't try to whoop me. He doesn't try to correct me physically. He uses his words and says, son, I heard something. And I listen. I said something a while back and I didn't mean anything by it. I was talking to my mama, but she took it as disrespectful. And I put my hand up. I was not trying to be disrespectful. It was just one of those, I'm, especially in text, I'm real cut and dry. That's why I can't stand texting. Because you never know what somebody means to say. I love you. I love you. I love you. You know, there's two different things. But text, you can't do that. Unless you use one of them little emojis Brother Dean used to say. And it speaks for you. But I come across something and she waited a day or so. And she called me and she said, you hurt my feelings. I said, Mama, how in the world I hurt your feelings? She brought that up and my, my initial response, Samuel, was to kind of get, get irritated about it. But then I realized that I had hurt my mama. My heart broke. All I could say, Mama, I'm sorry. I promise I didn't mean it that way. This is what I was meaning. I pro- Mama, I'm so sorry. Listen to me. The leader. Now I'm the leader of my home. But I still got a mom and I still got a daddy. And because they are godly parents and they raised me in a godly home, I'm still going to revert back to their leadership occasionally. You're welcome. As teenagers, I want you to know that the road ahead of you is full of responsibility. The road ahead of you, you must work out your own salvation. That doesn't mean find your own way of salvation, but that means it's time for you to stop trying to depend on mama and daddy and their faith and their salvation. You need to figure it out on your own. You're to that age now. 
You need to listen to God's drawing and God's calling you for a relationship, for education, for uh, um, uh, employment, for your future. You need to be listening to God. As a young Christian, uh, kind of going back to what I said, uh, I thought as as a teen, I say when I was 12, and so that was right before those teenage years, but it was well said on Miss Anna. And, and, and I've always been kind of cocky and I gotta watch myself. But I thought, well, just being, just being disrespectful to mama and daddy every once in a while, that was just what teenagers do. I beg to differ now. Now I beg to differ because as a child of God, being a teenager, yes, it is natural, but being a child of God ought to negate some of those smart aleck attitudes. Y'all hear me well. It ought to negate all of that back talking. I, Look, I probably already told you, but I can remember one time I back-talked my mom. She smacked me before the words ever finished out of my face. And she smacked me like a grown man. Y'all think she's nice and quiet, honey. You either get her to laughing or you get her to mad. You'll see a different Sandra K. Burton. She's hilarious and quite frightening. But listen, those things that we... We attribute to teenaged years as a child of God. That's no excuse. I figured as long as I worshipped on Sunday and I was being a good Christian son and and mom and dad and God, I, I believe they'd be happy with me. As long as I was good on Sunday, as long as I act okay most of the time, mom and daddy and God were all happy with me. You see, it's every day. It's every moment. I believe that's why God gives us the opportunity to pray at all times. We can go, when you say the wrong thing, when you do the wrong thing, when you hurt someone's feelings, when you know you do something ungodly, stop and ask forgiveness. As a young person, as a young adult, as an adult, as an older person, just ask God for forgiveness. He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. I was wrong. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. That little high and mighty attitude that I had as a teenage boy, as a preacher, teenage boy, thought I was entitled. Yeah. First Peter chapter 5, verse number 5, it put me in my place. He says, God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. First Timothy chapter 5, verse number 1 and 2, it says, Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father, and the younger men as brethren. It says the elder women as mothers, the younger as sisters with all purity. Their rewards... And there are consequences. I'll give you these scriptures. I'm not going to read them. Proverbs 6, verse 20 through 22. And Proverbs chapter 30, verse 17. Your parents have been in your shoes. Your leaders have been in your shoes. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22. The scripture says, Flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Your parents have been there. Youthful lust are not a new idea. Your parents have faced these things. They've, they've been too ashamed to speak about them. 
Most parents hide things that they've done in their youth from their children because they don't want to influence, they don't want to plant a seed of rebellion in their hearts. But know that parents, they're not ignorant to what's happening. When they give you a warning about buying, about dating, about hanging out with their own crowds, about what you watch, about what you listen to. And parents, it's okay to say no to our kids. When you and I love loud music. I love loud music. But 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 listen, when that loud music ain't godly loud music, tell them to shut that mess off. Turn the channel, rip the stereo out, cut the Bluetooth cord. I know that's impossible, but do it. Listen to music that's uplifting. I'm not being I'm not being a stick in the mud this morning. I'm just trying to tell you, folks, and I'm not, I'm not perfect by any means. And, and I could look at some of our older men that have, that I have talked to personally. And, and, and brother, brother Deacon and brother John, I've talked to you men personally, and you both have told me about things that you regret in raising your children. Things that you would have done differently. And if these older men of God have done that, then men my age and little older, little younger, We've messed up too. And it's okay to put our foot down and say, you're not going over there. You're not going to do that. You're not going to listen to that. You're not going to watch that. It's okay. Because guess what? You're the leader. Husbands, wives, mamas and daddies, you're the leader, not the kids. So when, when mamas and daddies give you direction on dating and on going to the wrong places, chances are they've walked that path before. Most likely they're leading you in the right direction. As hard as it is for them to say and as hard as it is for you to hear, you need to trust the leader in your home. You need to work, young folks. Work while you're young. Young men, I don't know that any of you even want to be a doctor or a lawyer. But there's nothing wrong with being a farmer. Nothing wrong with being a welder. Brother Dave, wasn't it you that I said, you can't find good welders in your line of work, I think. I mean, it's just hard. Brother Jody and Brother Jim, Brother Terry, you're busy in construction every day, all day long. Work. Ladies, listen. Work while you're young. Learn some accountability. Learn a trade, a skill. Do something. You say, well, I just want to be a a stay-at-home mom. That's wonderful. But you need to learn how to sew. You need to learn how to iron. Especially if you're going to iron my shirt. Iron that junk right. You need to learn to wash clothes. That's no slide on Lord, baby. I love you. I ain't even talking about you. I'm just... Them two women with them two babies got me confused back there. I don't know who's who and whose children they got. I know this is long and I ain't apologizing for it. I told you it's going to be. We still got another 20 minutes here in a little bit. So y'all just chew on your tongue for a little while longer. 
But learn a skill while you're young. Get in the Word of God and learn God's Word while you're young. Oh, goodness. Because you might have one of those little things that Brother David was talking about that last 88 days. And you need some words out of His Word to help the fears of your heart. You might have, Brother Eric, today is y'all's day dedicating your boys. You might have some days coming up. And if now, as a young man still, younger than I am, you can still hide the Word of God in your heart for days when Evie and Roscoe and Danny get up and they say, Daddy, i got questions. What am I supposed to do? Because you learned it in the days of your youth. You can help them. Your parent, your leader, they understand failure. I've often made the statement, I believe it was Wendy Bagwell's first one I heard said, he said, I was a born loser. He said, I was born in the depression. He said, I've been a loser ever since. I I wasn't born in the depression, but I've been depressed. I wasn't born with nothing, but I've never had anything. I I always say, I'm a born loser. And I don't mean that despairing, despair. I don't mean that bad about myself, but I'm just not a, not a, some folks can touch something that turns to gold. Mine rusts before I get my hand off of it. And I, I mean, I try and I do all these. So I understand failure, but your parents may not admit that failure, but know that they've made some bad decisions. They've taken the wrong path. They've done some wrong things. And so when they try to lead you in the right direction, don't think that they're just a stick in the mud. Don't think that they don't understand what you're going through. Don't think that they've never thought about disobeying and they've never thought about all of the things that you're dealing with because chances are it's all come to pass in their life. Just because you're young doesn't mean that God can't use you. Brother Kurt preached a message uh, earlier this month at... Um, at the nursing home, and Brother David, he, he, he preached out of something that you told him. He said, you need to look at this and you study. And Kurt, you did an excellent job that day. And I was hoping those old folks can hold on because we were in their lunchroom and they was getting antsy and they were ready. Like some of y'all, they were getting antsy. It's lunchtime, shut up. But he did such a great job and he was encouraging them. And this is just a small part of it. He was encouraging them, even in their older years, God's not through with them. And God can still use them. Even at their extended age, God can use them. And so now, let's reverse this thing. And some of you young folks, you think that you can't do anything for God. I beg to differ. Let's look at Samuel. Samuel was left at the church by his mother. She gave him to God and to the man of God. And at an early age, God said, Samuel. And he answered. And God began to work in his life. David was ruddy. This old pimple-faced fella out in the middle of nowhere. But yet God used him to defeat a giant. And then to become king. Or vice versa, I guess you could say. He was anointed king before Goliath. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. Lori, I want you to come to the piano this morning. I want to give everybody a chance to pray. Girls, my girls, I want y'all in just a second. I want you to gather around your mama. We're going to pray.
First Timothy chapter number 4, verse number 12. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, and in charity, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. This morning, this is a call to dedication in the home. We are just a little while from bringing the family up and and dedicating two young boys to the Lord. But this is a call, this message today is a call to dedicate your home. This month has been focused on family or the lack of family in society. But God has given us three Sundays in a row. He gave us a Sunday where we dedicated uh, Jasper. and We preached about the family raising up kids. Last Sunday was Father's Day and we preached about how we ought to have godly fathers and how to be a godly father. And today God's laid on our hearts this message about the Christian home. And so while the world is celebrating ungodliness, God has placed us in a position where we can celebrate godly family. And daddies and mamas, I want you to know, and, and young adults, that you're kind of, you kind of own your own a little. I want you to know that, and, and I'm not trying to point fingers, but the God of this world, Satan, your adversary, the devil, he is out there and he is wanting to get Kaylee, Roscoe, Ashlyn, Samuel. He is wanting to get Evie. And where's Abby Grace? I just saw her. Abby Grace and Hannah. Daddies, Terry, he's wanting to get you. He's wanting to get between you and Tabitha. And if he can get between you and Tabitha, then he can get further into Ansley. Buster, you're on the road. You're, you're making short trips, but we know, we know, you and I know this. If there's any truck drivers in here, you and I know this. Some of the some of the nicest, but also some of the vilest men are in the truck driving industry. And if, and if the devil can get you away from Miss Leah and, and maybe on a long run away from somebody, away from everybody, nobody else knows you, and he can distract you for a moment, he can put a wedge between you and your bride. Young folks, y'all go to your buddy's house. Y'all go to your girlfriend's house. I don't even like using that word, but you know what I mean. You go to your friend's house. If you're not careful, you'll end up seeing something you shouldn't. If you're not careful, you'll end up doing something you shouldn't. It may sound innocent. It may just be just something simple, maybe just a quick glance. But the God of this world can take that little seed of something you saw or some whisper that you heard. and He can plant something, a seed so deep. It might be weeks or years before it ever springs up. I'm telling you, the devil wants churches destroyed. And the way that he's doing it in 2022 is through the family. Tearing families apart. Whenever family that is separated, the church gets a little weaker. So I want my girls, Ashlyn and Braylon, I want you to gather right here around your mama. I'll be there in just a minute. Church, I I realize it's late, and I'm not trying to make a point of knowing that, but I want you to know that it's not lost on me. I want you to know that. I feel like we need to do a a, a 
an altar call this morning. And I want to invite you, and I'm going to tell you how I want, uh, you can do it any way you want to, but I want to give specific calls. Daddies, it'd be good for you to get your children, if they live in the house, get your children and your wife, and y'all find you a place. You come up here, we're going to be down there, you, you do whatever you want to do. Mamas, if your husbands aren't here, you can get your children grown or otherwise come down here. Brother David, I know you got Allie that's still at home and you got Abby and Samuel that they're part of your family, but they're separate. If y'all are okay, I want y'all to pray together. Leah, I want you to come in. Whose baby you got? You got Gavin? That's all right. You, I don't care. I want, I want them prayed for too. So if you want to pray with him, that's fine. If you don't care, they can pray with him. Y'all ain't married, but I want you to get over there and I want you to pray. You older men of God and ladies of God in the back, I want you, if y'all want to come down here, that's fine. But if y'all can, y'all pray right there because y'all are our elders and we respect that. And y'all have raised some of these youngins in his place. Y'all have corrected and y'all have taught some of them. Visitors, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but I want you to know that you are absolutely welcome to come to this altar, come to this front pew, or find you a spot and pray. But I think as Lori prays, plays, we're going to pray. All right, so families, mamas and daddies, y'all come. Let's just have a time of prayer. Dedicate your home back to God. Single men, you don't have a wife, you don't have a relationship with anybody. It's all right just to get down here and pray. It's all right to ask God to give you a, a, a women. It's all right to ask God to give you a godly man. Men, it's okay to ask God to give you a godly woman. Time to him and pray for your families and dedicate your children and your homes to God. And I, I, I find no fault in it. And I thank God for it. And I ask you if you will today, um, you, uh, you take the message home with you and you do with it what God would have you to do. There, um, there are attacks on the families. Of God, and we must, we, we absolutely must as Christian believers, as, as Christians, or as that's redundant, as Christians, we must prepare ourselves for battle. And I believe one of the, the largest battlegrounds right now are families. And so I don't preach this just because of what day it is told Brother Jody, I think it was, maybe even Brother Eric, when we realized that we were going to do two separate baby dedications. God already placed on my heart three weeks ago what would be preached today to bring all of the past three Sundays together. And I praise God for it. I'm going to ask Brother Eric and his family, if they will, to come up. And you can bring your children if you'd like. And uh, I want to say again, I thank the Lord for their families Brother David and uh, Miss Laura, what is it? Anna, 
Anna Laura, and Miss Carrie, and uh, Brother Wayne for being here today. And uh, thank you for being here. And uh, oh, Roscoe look good. Looking good, buddy. But we are come today to, um, to promise and to offer these parents and their children to God. As I've mentioned, Miss uh, Evie has already been dedicated to the Lord. Um, but uh, And I'll say this, I've mentioned it before, uh, but it does not take a ceremony to dedicate your child to the Lord. This is just a public ceremony that the families have wanted to do, and we acknowledge that. Uh, but uh, I've had people ask me, well, I, I, I didn't do that. And so our, what does that mean? Well, as long as you've prayed for your children, as long as you've dedicated to them, God, dedicated them to God in your heart, then then you're you're good, Amen. And uh, so I don't want you to think that that you have to do this. But honey, if it's every Sunday until all you teenagers are prayed over, and that's fine, I'll do it. Ain't gonna matter to me at all. But this is a day that we've set aside, especially for um, Roscoe and Danny. And uh, again, thank you so much for being here. I do want to remind you, and, and I, I say this every single dedication that I've had, that this does not in any way, shape, or form impart salvation to either one of these boys. Uh, it's not going to do it. It is a recognition that the, these children, um, especially Roscoe, is a gift from God. Uh, that their lives uh, belong to God. It's their... It's it's uh, Samantha and Eric's desires that that all three of their children one day accept Christ as their Savior, and uh, it is our desire as a church uh, to see that as well. And uh, as far as I know, most of our uh, uh, young folks uh, have a relationship with God. Some I really believe that God is dealing with them, leading and drawing them to salvation. And you know who you are. I'm not even going to look you in the eye, but you know who you are. I believe that you're under conviction, and I can't wait until you go so far out of yourself, you run smack dab into Jesus, and you get saved and gloriously saved, and you don't know what to do about it. Well, that's our desire for these two young boys as well as Evie. Uh, but it's a, it's a privilege that this church has, and it is one that we want to encourage and assist the parents in the proper training and the development of their children. Um, I would like to say again, uh, I'm glad that they asked to do this and they thought so much of their children to want to make a public uh, dedication for the Lord. Also, I'm glad that Miss Samantha's daddy, Brother David Barrett, is here today. And uh, I'm going to ask Brother David, if he will, to, uh, to pray and just ask the blessing on this dedication ceremony. And you pray for your boys as well.
Yes, amen. Thank you again for this gathering that we've had today, Lord. The blessing that we're getting from all of this, Lord. And I just thank you so much, Lord, for what you've done in our lives. Give us now for the favor. Amen. Amen. Well, we take this, this time to promise as parents and as a church to rely on the grace of God uh, to provide guidance for Roscoe and for Danny uh, to work together as a home and as a church to give instruction, to give discipline, to pray for salvation, to uh, offer experience of from our lives, to pray and to try to seek and to encourage growth in the Lord. But then also as parents, this is not new to you. Evie, how old are you, honey? You're seven years old, so y'all have had seven years of experience. But with every child, they're different, and y'all know that. And so you may find another daddy that you could talk to or another mother that you can talk to to help in these times of need and to pray with one another. Oh, my soul. If uh, Just imagine what our families would be like if we actually did hold one another up in prayer as we promise so often to do in churches. And we say, well, I'll pray for you. And we may say that lightly, and sometimes we may say that very meaningfully, but how often do we do that? So I think it would be a blessing, church, if we would actually do that and call one another by name and lift up their children. Um, I'll give you just three different scriptures. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, we gave these a few weeks ago. Verse number 7, the Lord is, or excuse me, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and all with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. And thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house. And when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Eric, when you're on the... The machines and you got Roscoe there. Just talk about God. Talk about the goodness of God. When Evie's in the car, talk about the goodness of God. When you're there, when you're feeding the baby, just whisper, blessed assurance. <laughs> Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Oh, sing to them babies. <laughs> Y'all picked a wrong day for this. Psalm 103, verse 17 and 18. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear Him and His righteousness unto children's children to such as keep His covenant and to those that remember His commandments to do them. Eric, your mom and daddy are here, preacher, former pastor, pastor's wife. They've brought you up. Samantha, your mom and your daddy, a deacon, singer, 
I'm guessing probably you've taught Sunday school or vacation Bible school, a little bit of it all. They've brought you up. And so now you are experiencing the goodness and the grace and the mercies of God that started, no doubt, with them, but possibly even beyond them. The grandparents, great-grandparents, aunts and uncles. Here he says, His righteousness unto His children's children, to such as keep His commandment, and to those that remember His commandments to do them. Ephesians 6, 4, we read this in our text. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. But here it is, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. So the body of Lighthouse Baptist Church today, we acknowledge that Eric and Samantha Pace present their sons, Roscoe and Danny or Daniel, to God today. To the parents, I'll ask a series of questions and at the end of these, I'll accept your response. In presenting your child to the Lord, do you promise to depend on the grace of God to teach them in the truths of God's Word? Do you promise to set an example before both your boys to bring them up in the instruction and the discipline of God? And then do you also promise... and? Vow in your heart to encourage him to accept Christ as Savior at the drawing of Christ. Do you, do you promise to do those things? Now church, I'll ask you a question. And if you accept the responsibility, I'll ask you to stand to your feet. As members of this church, do you promise to join these parents in teaching and in training Roscoe and Danny that in time they might come to Christ for salvation. Do you promise to do that? If so, will you stand at your feet today if you can? So church, as you accept this responsibility, as parents, you've accepted this responsibility, then we are all responsible now for Roscoe and Danny. And we've jokingly talked about Roscoe. But if you spend any time with Roscoe, you'll see he's not always rambunctious, but he's loving and he's kind. He left the far end of the fellowship hall and met me in the kitchen. And he said, hey, preacher Jamie, good morning. He he doesn't always come swinging. (laughs) He doesn't always come sliding through or doing belly rolls. And so don't don't take one, one instance and say, oh, that boy's a hellion. Because he's just a boy. Danny, I don't know. I haven't quite got a hold on his his temperament yet. He does smile a lot. But you be praying. Church, parents, you be praying that they are raised in a godly home. They are being so now. But you pray that God would continue that in honoring. You pray for Evie. She's a sweet as all get out. Oh, my soul. We had her. Whose birthday party was it yesterday? It was yours, wasn't it? Yeah. Had her birthday party. And boy, she got some pretty things. You got one of your new neck things on today? Yeah. She always is dressed to a T. Always looks precious. And she's always sweet. They were at my house. Probably the last time y'all were there. Apparently, 
Preacher, don't invite people over to his house. Say amen, Brother Jim. But Roscoe bit Evie. I'm talking about forevermore bit Evie. And she didn't want to tell anybody what happened. She just sat there holding it and crying. And we saw what was happening. She's got a tender heart. And so these are our future. And I encourage you today to pray for them and ask God to touch. We're still going to praise the Lord right after this prayer. And I want to invite you back tonight. Be in your place at 6 o'clock. But I'm going to ask Brother Wayne. This is Brother Eric's daddy. Brother Wayne, if you would, you pray for us. Close the service, but also pray for your, your grandsons today. Oh, yes. Yes, Father, thank you. Oh, yes. Yes. Mm. Yes, Amen. All right, let's raise our hands. We'll we'll praise the Lord. If you're new here, we just everybody raise your hands. We'll count to three, and then we'll praise the Lord. Okay, you ready, Brooklyn? You'll count for us. All right, let's do it, honey. Praise the Lord. Amen.